Good morning. I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Wednesday, July 20th. Will the Padres make it to the playoffs this year? More on that next. But first, let's do the headlines. Congresswoman Sarah Jacobs was among 35 people arrested yesterday during an abortion rights protest outside of the Supreme Court. 17 of the people arrested were members of Congress. Jacobs represents San Diego County's 53rd District. U.S. Capitol Police said the demonstrators were arrested for blocking the use of a street. A top executive at Veterans Village of San Diego has stepped down following an investigation our media partner, iNewsource. Their reporting uncovered widespread drug use and unsafe living conditions at the nonprofit's renowned rehab center on Pacific Highway. The search for the COO's replacement is underway. Gas prices have been steadily decreasing this month. Have you noticed a difference? The average price of a gallon of regular gasoline in San Diego County dropped to $5.85 yesterday. That's the lowest price since the beginning of May, but prices are still high. This time last year, regular gas costs around $1.54 less than it costs now. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Major League Baseball's All-Star Game played last night is the halfway mark of the season for the sport, and it came as Padres fans have reasons to worry about their team's prospects for reaching the playoffs. Sports writer Jay Paris spoke with KPBS's Jade Heidman about the Padres' fortunes. So tell me, how are the Padres doing at the half-season mark? You know, they're doing okay. I mean, uh, 10 games over 500, you know, second place, uh, 52 and 42. If you would have given Padre fans that uh, option at the beginning of the year, knowing that superstar shortstop Fernando Tantis Jr. Would, wouldn't play a game yet, they probably would sign off on that. 
but there's always a but in baseball. It's the all-star break and Padre fans are saying, give me a break. This isn't happening again, is it? The Padres have been floundering. Uh, they finished July 6 and 10. They're, they're 6 and 10 in July. They finished June losing 8 to 13. They're in a tailspin and they're heading the wrong direction. And the good vibes and good mojo that you think a team would have being 10 games over 500 and in second place isn't quite there. Because of that that scar last year when the Padres were 17 games over 500, then they lost 13. They went 13 and 34 down the stretch. So Padre fans ripped that Band-Aid off really hard from last year. They were hoping this year was going to be different. Here we are at the All-Star break looking like it's a, a summer repeat, if you will. Yeah, and as you mentioned, the big question for the team this season has been when star player Fernando Tatis Jr. will return. Do we have any timetable for when that might happen? getting close how's that for being specific <laughs> they think it's going to be in august uh, it's been a little later than they anticipated which um, illustrates the um, the mystery with a wrist and a wrist injury i mean this is serious and how he comes back it will be uh will be telling how the padres will do go, going down the stretch of course he was hurt in a motorcycle accident in the off season some people cringe when your 340 million dollar asset is riding a motorcycle but that's what happens when you're 23 years old and a millionaire right so they're hoping he comes back but uh, we're saying august they're hoping early august but you know i just just hope everybody's a little patient with it now tatis is a phenomenal player and what a generational star for san diego to hang his hat on but wrists are really tricky, especially in golf, especially in baseball. Uh, it absorbs so much of the, the velocity of making contact with the ball. So uh, hopefully uh, he, he comes back and uh, with a little time, as the Tatis said, has thrilled so many Padre fans for a couple of years now. Indeed. And now the Padres go into the All-Star break eight games behind the first place Dodgers. Is there any chance of catching up to Los Angeles by the playoffs? No. <laughs> I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, but the Dodgers are loaded, and, and the Padres, to be realistic, are shooting for a wild card playoff berth or or just getting in the playoffs somehow. And if they can get in the playoffs, they can maybe do some damage. But the, the Padres are pretty loaded with that big payroll. But we got to illustrate the Padres are right there with them. I mean, they've spent two hundred and seventeen million dollars this year. Only the Dodgers, Mets, Yankees, and Phillies spent more dough. So this is no longer the gutty little Padres. Uh, we're a small market. Hope we can get by. They are a major player in money and in roster, but they got to come through and make the playoffs somehow, somehow. Uh, a big storyline this year has been El Cajon native Joe Musgrove and his excellent pitching. What's the latest on San Diego's ace? San Diego's ace is going to have his ATM go up considerably. He's going to make a lot of money here real soon. He's in a contract year and is having a, a career year. You know, the only pitcher, Padre pitcher, to throw a no-hitter, which he did last year. Uh, he's beloved by the Padre fans, and he's, he can put you can put his pitching numbers up against anybody in Major League Baseball. He's been that good. But now comes time to cut the check. So I would doubt that they would let this, this hometown-grown product leave. He, he's so popular and so effective. But there's going to be some other suit out there for for his services i've been speaking with san diego sports writer jay paris jay as always thanks for joining us play ball let's go nice talking to you and that was kpbs midday edition host jade heidman home buyers won't catch a break when it comes to mortgage rates but they may get a better deal in their home price KPBS reporter Tanya Thorne gives us the latest on the housing market. 
New data shows the median home price in San Diego County dropped by 2.9% last month to $825,000. Jeff Tucker, a senior economist with Zillow, says this is a trend they are also seeing. This is the first time that we're actually seeing some of that kind of month-to-month cooldown, and that's reflecting a really rapid change in the, the dynamics of supply and demand in the market just so far this summer. He says rising mortgage rates, prices, and little inventory from a couple of months back caused many buyers to press pause on their plans to buy a home. But sellers didn't get the memo. So when it comes to inventory, Tucker thinks current conditions favor buyers. He says the better question is if they can afford the still considerably high prices. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. Coming up, big waves at some of San Diego's speeches. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. Don't go away. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. Solar industry supporters rallied outside of SEMPRA's downtown San Diego headquarters yesterday, complaining about proposals to charge solar customers a fixed monthly fee. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has details. Solar advocate Carter Levin didn't get inside the Semper building to deliver a petition with 15,000 signatures, so he read the message aimed at SDG&E's top official, Carolyn Wynn. 15,000 people asking San Diego election very nicely to cut it out. The protesters are speaking out against utility-backed plants to charge rooftop solar owners steep monthly fees while slashing the value of the electricity they generate. They say a climate emergency is the wrong time to make solar energy more expensive. A utility-backed group responded, saying that solar subsidies already make electricity more expensive for those who don't own solar panels, and that needs to be fixed. Regulators reshaping the solar market are expected to unveil new rules sometime this year. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. Surf's up, way up on San Diego County's southwest facing beaches. KPBS reporter John Carroll says it's due to an unusual mix of atmospheric conditions. Yeah, it was pretty nice. Caught a few ways. 14-year-old Finn Rono giving his opinion of the surf off Ocean Beach on Tuesday. Waves were reaching 8 feet at times, pounding the recently repaired OB Pier. These waves have actually been making their way to San Diego for about a week. They have their origin in a storm off New Zealand. National Weather Service meteorologist Alex Tardy. It appears we had a combination of a southern hemisphere storm, a winter storm, and a hurricane, uh, Darby, But both of those had a big impact on Hawaii. On Sunday, they had reports of of up to 15 feet on the big island. Tardy says the high surf might last until Thursday. John Carroll, KPBS News. 
there is a major merger underway for San Diego-based National University. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez tells us how many more students will benefit. National University is merging with North Central University, an exclusively online institution. The merger means 15,000 more students can be accepted than currently attend national online and in person. Students will also have more access to North Central's well-established master's and doctoral programs with one-on-one learning. The merger is part of a master plan, according to National University's interim president, Dr. Michael Cunningham. We aim to become the best teaching university in the world. Now, I know that's a big statement, but it's one that we will fulfill and one that I really believe in the next five years we will get there. The new school under the National University name expects to serve more than 45,000 eligible students through online classes across the country. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. Comic-Con went virtual for two years and then tested the waters last November with a smaller show called Comic-Con Special Edition. Finally, people who bought badges in 2019 will be able to attend a full-scale show in person. KPBS Arts reporter Beth Accomando spoke with Comic-Con spokesperson David Glanzer about what to expect. So David, in November you guys had Comic-Con Special Edition, which was smaller than the usual summer show. So what can people expect in July? Will this be back to normal? Uh, It'll be a bigger show than Special Edition for sure. One of the great things about Special Edition was it, it allowed us to kind of get our sea legs back. It's amazing after two years of not having in-person shows, the stuff that we've kind of forgotten. One would think uh, muscle memory, but uh, but luckily it's like riding a bike. So uh, it'll be a big show. We have a lot of uh, indoor and outdoor things that are going on with the activations and whatnot. And you know, the show sold out in 2019. We sold the tickets originally in 2019, so we expect a, a pretty full and crowded house. Were any tickets put on sale this year? There were. So one of the things that we found is, you know, the when we realized we couldn't have our show in uh, 2020, we had to cancel that show. So we rolled over those tickets and we rolled them over again from 21 to 22. As you can imagine, after two years, there are certain uh, live situations that have changed with some people. So we got some cancellations. We didn't get a lot of cancellations, not enough to hold a whole other ticket sale. But we did get enough that we put some on uh, eBay as a fundraiser for the Comic-Con Museum. But, uh, you know, again, it's, it should be a sold-out show. Uh, we have a lot of people who are coming both the, on the exhibit floor and people who have already bought tickets. So we hope to have a, a great time. Now, in November, Hall H was not used and the exhibit floor wasn't as big. But this summer, it's all returning to Hall H and Hollywood Studios? It is. There's a lot of Hollywood Studios. There's a lot of television networks. There's uh, comics and book publishers. Um, it will be, you know, Comic-Con, I think, as, as uh, we remember it. But one of the great things is that it really is an opportunity for us to have a community again, to get together again. We're very grateful that a lot of the studios, a lot of the networks, uh, the different publishers are, are coming back to Comic-Con to not only show and talk about all the new stuff that they're going to be premiering, uh, but also, I think also to interact with the fans. Comic-Con is a, has always been a great opportunity for those entities to, to hear directly from the people who buy their tickets and buy their books. And with COVID being so unpredictable, 
if people end up getting COVID right before the show, do they have any options in terms of getting a refund or transferring their pass? Uh, I honestly don't know. We'll have to take that on a case-by-case -case basis. Right now, because these tickets were rolled over for two years, it, we really had no income for two years. I mean, we had some small income with our uh, some sponsorships that we were very grateful for some companies taking part in. But it's financially, it might be kind of challenging to be able to do those refunds. If there are people who end up getting sick, clearly we don't want them to come to the show, so I think we'll handle that on a case-by-case on a -case basis. That was Comic-Con spokesperson David Glanzer speaking with KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando. Comic-Con Preview Night is today with the show continuing through Sunday at the San Diego Convention Center and its extended campus. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando has been attending Comic-Con for more than four decades and explores why the pop culture convention has some dedicated fans. Once upon a time, a geeky fan could walk up to Comic-Con on opening day and buy a ticket to enter the gates of the pop culture kingdom. But then, Twilight fell upon the land. Okay, it's not entirely the fault of Twilight Moms, but that sparkling vampire film did bring an influx of obsessive fans, just as Marvel was launching phase one of its cinematic universe. So around 2009, things began to change for Comic-Con and for those attendees who were determined to get into Hall H. The lines are crazy, right? And people are sleeping out and you're getting tired because you're like, yes, I did 12 hours by myself in line. And why are we doing that? Because being a geek is all about passionate commitment. Brooklyn agreed to share an insider perspective, as long as I didn't use her full name. She runs one of the multiple Hall H line groups. I read on Reddit that their group is 100 people this year for Hall H Saturday. So it kind of intensified where you had to be more organized because everybody around you was also being more organized. She has a Google spreadsheet to organize shifts for people waiting in line. Attending Comic-Con now requires tactical skill if you want to get an exclusive toy or autograph or attend Hall H when Marvel has a panel. But it's worth it, says Brooklyn. We're all going to the same thing and we're all hyper. And then when you get in that room and you worked that hard and you're with all your friends, when Tom Hiddleston walks out dressed as Loki. Look how far you've fallen. I don't know, you worked for it and you're excited. Lining up in the sweltering heat for hours. You're happy and you're with all the people that you work for. Huddling together in the dark. Like beasts. The crowd, the sound of the crowd. But when everybody's camped out and then sat in that room all day long for that Marvel panel, and they finally start telling you everything that's going to happen for the next few years, the feel of the crowd is just something that you won't get anywhere else. Sometimes that intensity can be overwhelming, as when Brooklyn joined a crowd as it surged forward to enter the Hall H line. Everybody rushed to go into the tents. In hindsight, I should not have joined everybody. But my feet were off the ground, and the crowd was just carrying me. Attending Comic-Con requires planning, says Brooklyn. So figure out what you're into. What are you comfortable with? If you're not comfortable sleeping out, that's fine. The plan can be that you'll just check out Hall H and see if it's a walk-in day with no line. Just don't expect that on a Saturday when Warner Brothers and Marvel are bringing their superheroes. But Brooklyn says your plan should include some basics for survival. 
So not everything's going to be at your fingertips. So start thinking about what you're going to need if you're going to be outside your room for 16 hours a day to make sure that you're comfortable, hydrated, and ready. So pack snacks and water, deodorant if you want to be considerate of others, and wear comfy shoes because you can easily do 30,000 steps on the exhibit floor. This year also has a new pandemic requirement, says Comic-Con spokesperson David Glanzer. We do have a mask mandate, so people will be seeing everybody wearing a mask, uh, whereas before I think you saw mostly people in costume with masks. Attendees will also need proof of vaccination or a negative test to enter the geek kingdom. But the most important thing to remember is that Comic-Con can be whatever you make it. You can do panels or shop or game or cosplay or just hang with friends and kindred souls. You know, you, you bond on a level that you won't bond with other people on a daily basis. It's, it's a place where I, I don't get a lot of judgment, and that's always nice. In other words, Chewy, we're home. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. That was KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu.